I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 1039 WYAB, broadcasting from the Mac Hike of Flowwood Studios. Today's Friday, so today we will do what we always do, False Flag Friday. I've got some very interesting reports from on the ground in Ukraine. Uh, Not great uh, audio. I will narrate, I guess is the best way to say, but uh, some of the Ukrainian authorities are about on the streets uh, in Ukraine, and we're going to take a look at what what this loving democracy is all about that we are spending. I just heard on the news break, we've got the biggest package ever. We're starting to send them Bradley armored vehicles. Uh, so we're really throwing all in uh, with this loving, gentle, kind, underdog Ukrainian government. So we'll take a look at exactly uh, what that government's up to these days. I, I want you to get that warm, fuzzy feeling. Today's Friday. For a lot of people, it's payday. Take a look at your federal withholding today. And understand that a good chunk of that is going to go over to these loving people in Ukraine. And I want to give you a good, warm, fuzzy feeling to understand exactly where your money is going and who you're supporting. It's my public service to you. And then we will finish up the show as we always do with this week on the crazy train as we document the world's descent into madness. I thought I'd do a quick update. I do live in Jackson. Was raised in Jackson. Born in New York. That's right. I'm a carpetbagger. Uh, born in New York, but moved down to Jackson when I was very young. Uh, a cheer for Jackson, graduate of Murrah High School. But I thought I'd give you a quick update on on life in Jackson these days. I went 12 days without any internet. Apparently AT&T had some kind of a catastrophic tower failure. 12 days without internet. I got to tell you, the water crisis has never affected me as badly as the internet crisis. <laughs> Uh, it, it is the, the unspoken crisis for just AT&T subscribers in the area. That came back up, but of course, while there was no internet, uh, there was no drinkable water. And as my understanding, there's still no drinkable water since Christmas. I'm not sure if uh, the boil water alert has been lifted. I, now I'm used to brushing my teeth with bottled water, so uh, I, I honestly don't even think about it. I guess I need to check it out. And then last night, my power went out. <laughs> The internet finally came up, but without power to power it, and we're right back into the dark ages. And yesterday, yesterday afternoon, I did go to a Jackson grocery store, and the masks are back in full force at the grocery store. Poor, poor Jackson. Poor, poor, poor Jackson. Uh, Quotes of the day today. Uh, quote, we Americans have no commission from God to police the world. This was said by Benjamin Harrison. I love that last name. I know some really great Harrisons. 
Uh, but Benjamin Harrison said, we Americans have no commission from God to police the world. And Harry Brown said, Republicans campaign like libertarians and govern like Democrats. That's why I was kind of amazed by the resistance on this show to me mentioning libertarianism. It's a whole lot of Republican rhetoric. They just don't ever actually govern that way. And that certainly is the truth. And then this quote, here's a little uh uh-oh quote. There's everybody, I've been warning about this fawning over Elon Musk. He's doing some great work uh, with exposing Twitter and social media government censorship. No doubt about it. I'm I'm cheering for the Twitter files. And uh, basically, it's kind of like government statistics when you know that they lie to you about the inflation rate. It's well documented that they changed the way they calculated inflation to try to hide it from the American people. It's been wildly effective. We didn't start complaining about inflation till last year, even though you lose 5% of your purchasing power in a normal year, which means over 10 years you lose 50% of your purchasing power every rolling five years. But they've been very sneaky about it. They recalculated how they figured out inflation. They recalculated how they figure out unemployment. So basically what it is is that you can take any government statistic and just understand because you know they lie about so many others, you can just assume they're lying about every government statistic. And that's, this includes we've found out that the jobs reports are bogus. Even the own Federal Reserve reports go, uh, we're seeing a huge discrepancy here, like a like a million jobs just in 2022 that the government is reporting have been created. Uh, they can't find. Well, social media is kind of the same way. We're exposing this government big tech censorship at Twitter. You can just overlay that to Google and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Uh, I guess Google owns them. But anyway, so I love what Elon Musk is doing. Uh, exposing what's going on at Twitter and with the government censorship. But I'm just telling you, cheer for him. Cheer for him and the good work he's doing in exposing that. And then watch Elon Musk like a hawk. Elon Musk tweeted this out. Kevin McCarthy should be speaker. Period. That's his whole tweet. Kevin McCarthy should be speaker. Now, I'm telling you, Elon Musk makes his money from the government. Oh, he sells a few cars here and there, but even his cars have come with government subsidies for selling his uh, vision for an all-electric future. I'm just saying, I see too many conservatives letting their guard down and letting who is essentially a technocrat currently developing a brain chip, an implantable brain chip, and hoisting him on your shoulders as some kind of a savior. Uh, He can do good work in certain areas, but before before you put him on a pedestal or on an altar... Uh, Be wary of Elon Musk. He says Kevin McCarthy should be speaker. We are now 11 votes, last I saw. 11 votes in, and Kevin McCarthy is still not speaker of the House in Washington, D.C. And for those of you who want your government back from special interest, you should be cheering for this instead of what I saw in the first day, surrendering. Because CNN said something funny about you. Because the Beltway Republicans on Fox News came out and said, this is no good. I saw a bunch, a whole bunch of people out there that love to talk about the Constitution just immediately fold like a cheap tent. This is actually very interesting. The Libertarian Party tweeted out, we love the smell of gridlock in the morning. Amen. And I'll say it again. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today. I think I covered this pretty much yesterday. But Republicans who hate this crony government... 
you should love that we are finally seeing an effective tactic being used on the right. I, I was started to think about it. I, I didn't give it a whole lot of mental energy, but I started thinking about has has there been another effective tactic on the right? Uh, we look at the Saul Alinsky rules for radicals that the left has embraced. We've talked about it on the show over the years that the right should read that book and just take it and use those tactics themselves. The, the, the right, true conservatives here have lost it. You know, you've lost the institutions and this long march towards the weirdness, the wokeness, where we've found ourselves with the schools and the corporations. I mean, but this may be the first time I've seen the right use a tactic where they're actually getting some very large concessions. I still don't think Kevin McCarthy is going to win, but at the very least, if he does, right now, the right... The true conservatives, this champion of just a ragtag bunch of 20 people who are being called the fringe, troublemakers. Donald Trump told them to knock it off. This little, this little group of 20 people actually sticking to some core principles are getting massive concessions. And what's very interesting to me is that the left is amazed. The, the real left, the progressive left, you and I might disagree with them on a ton of things. But they see this. They are furious at the squad. I've seen more about this. I, I'm not going to repeat myself. I talked about it yesterday. But the, even on MSNBC, they had, I think it was uh, Bernie Sanders, a uh, press spokesperson or somebody involved with the Sanders campaign. Obviously, somebody very left. But they were on MSNBC saying, see, squad, see all you progressives who campaigned on progressive issues. You could have stopped Nancy Pelosi from becoming Speaker of the House. All of the squad members told their voters, we're going to go to Washington, D.C., and we're really going to deliver for the left. We're going to get this crony, this Wall Street limousine liberal Nancy Pelosi out of her chair. We're going to make her uncomfortable. We're going to make demands of Nancy Pelosi so she delivers on the things that progressives care about. And then as soon as the vote came up, every one of those squad members, AOC, Ilhan Omar, they all voted for Nancy Pelosi. And, of course, the left uh, didn't get the things that they wanted. They didn't get their $15 an hour minimum wage. I don't want that. I'm just saying all of the things that they campaigned on, they didn't get those things because they caved and elected Nancy Pelosi speaker because they were scared of her. So the left is actually looking. They're actually the left is not mad right now at the Freedom Caucus, who they would disagree with on a bunch of policy issues. The left, the true left right now is really angry at AOC. At the squad, at the Bernie Sanders types who keep electing these same corporatists like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi uh, to be these, these leaders in both houses of Congress. And both of them are just Wall Street corporate lobbyist tools who just pander to the left. They never deliver anything for you. So the real progressive left is actually, they're not mad at the libertarian-leaning House Freedom Caucus members. They're angry at the left saying, see, you told us you couldn't pull this off. Republicans are doing it. But I think it's amazing. I, I really, it's, it may be the first time I've seen the right do anything tactically that actually might yield some results. You might get a slightly smaller government. I'm no, no guarantees of that. Uh, but at least uh, the people who believe in those things will have more power.
at the end of the day. So I'm going to take a break now, but I've, I've always tried to gin up Fight Club Friday. If anybody out there wants to just elect McCarthy, there's a lot of you out there. Come on, we just need to get down to the business. Well, here's what I love. Here's what I love that I've heard. We need to get down to the business so we can start these investigations. Do you really believe that four, five, six days, two weeks delay in starting any of these air quotes in the studio investigations that usually yield nothing? When's the last time you saw a congressional perp walk? Do you really think that two weeks delay is somehow going to derail the whole thing? It's just amazing to me to watch so-called constitutional conservatives fold like a cheap tent within hours of the first vote where McCarthy didn't get elected. You gave up. These are the same people who rushed out and got the shot. Nothing I can do. They're going to make me get it in six months. I might as well get it today. No. The people who held out, a lot of those vaccine mandates were overturned. The people who held out, who fought, actually didn't have to become a part of the experiment. We've got so many people who are so... And what's also funny to me is a lot of times I hear this from the same people who talk about they're ready for the Civil War. I'm going to be out there. I'm ready. It's gonna, this is going to get to be a shooting war. Let's, we're, you mean to tell me you're going to get off the couch, arm up, quit your job, risk jail, death, or disability to fight in a Civil War? But you can't stand the uncomfortableness of this, this fight up in Washington, D.C., because the media doesn't like it. <laughs> I don't want to be in a foxhole next to you people, I'll tell you that. Uh, cheer for these people. This is maybe the first time I've seen the right, the, the true conservatives out there. I am a fan of the Freedom Caucus. Closest thing to libertarians we've pretty much got with, uh, when it comes to shrinking government uh, in Washington, D.C., they're only about on the 20-yard line, the opposing team's 20-yard line as far as I'm concerned, where I'd like to see them go, but at least they're on the field of battle when it comes to shrinking this government. At least they're out there talking about it and actually uh, now taking action to do something about it to stop this runaway establishment. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a cheerleader for them. We'll see how it turns out. Hopefully this is not a big, giant rope-a-dope. I tell you, it takes me off. I hate to get excited about anything when it comes to the political class because they will burn you. They'll burn you just about every time. We'll see. We're going to take a look at some uh, economic stuff uh, when we come back. Uh, people around the country are losing a lot of money on their homes. Right now, as interest rates go up, we know the housing market has stalled. Uh, we've got some job layoffs. But there is a winner. Again, I'm trying to give you a good sense of of optimism today. <laughs> While, while bad, you might be getting crushed by inflation, but there are winners in our society. I'm going to tell you about one when we come back. Stick around. I went home with a waitress The way I always do There was one vote yesterday when the, for the speakership from Matt Gates. He did nominate Donald Trump. I talked about it on the show yesterday with Stone Clanton. It just seems like it's a genius move to do. I don't want to see it. I always want to make sure uh, people understand when it comes to theater, I think it would be uh, entertaining. I think it would be uh, kind of a genius trolling move by the Republicans. Uh, but don't make any m mistake. Uh, Donald Trump, that might be the best spot for him. Maybe he would actually 
be tough on spending and stuff, but he folded like a cheap tent when he was president of the United States when it came to spending. I saw a buddy of mine sent me a clip from Steve Bannon talking about how Trump should be the Speaker of the House. And he was talking about some of the things that, you know, 100 days to save America is the way he couched it. And I, I can't remember. I should have refreshed it. But I just remember one thing he talked about was that Trump could take on the Federal Reserve and spending. Two things, I guess he mentioned. I thought, well, that's interesting. Because while he was president, he made both of those situations worse. He made the Federal Reserve more powerful. And he spent like a drunken sailor on sailor on uh, on pace to double Obama's doubling of the Bush debt. So it's a little laughable to me to think that Donald Trump as Speaker of the House would offer some fiscal restraint unless it, he felt that it made him popular. He obviously does not have a core belief in shrinking the federal government, or he might have taken some action during his four years as President of the United States to even talk about it, much less signing bill after bill with trillion-dollar deficits. And when COVID came around, it was Donald Trump who wanted the checks, the stimmies, to be bigger. He bragged about signing the $2.1 trillion, I think it was the CARES Act, and he said he actually thinks they could have done more. So I don't know if Donald Trump as Speaker of the House would have been some, some idea of fiscal restraint in any way, shape, or form. And he certainly spent a ton of money on the military, but it would be <clears throat> it would be interesting uh, to see um, what a difference a year makes. There's a headline out yesterday: Home sellers throwing more money at buyers right now. <laughs> Do you remember a year ago? A year ago, people were putting their houses on the market, and buyers were offering over uh, asking price. Homes were selling by the end of the day. And boy, if you were a buyer and you dared to say, well, I want to get a home inspection, that, that seller would go, okay, never mind. We've got plenty of people that want to buy this <laughs> this house. I mean, the buyers couldn't get any concessions whatsoever. Everybody was sitting on a gold mine with that house, and they were putting the screws to the buyers. These buyers flocked into this market and blew the housing bubble uh, higher and higher. Uh, one year later, home sellers are throwing money at buyers right now. It's very interesting the way this stuff works. That's what happens uh, in bubbles. They expand, and then they contract, and it's gone. Uh, while homeowners might be losing thousands of dollars on their homes, but at least at least there are winners in our society. After a stellar 2021, when it generated $16.2 billion in revenue in 2022, Ken Griffin's Citadel Hedge Fund which had $54.5 billion in assets under management as of January 1st, had a blowout year. And according to uh, the World uh, Wall Street Journal, it generated about $28 billion in revenue. Wasn't immediately clear what exactly is meant by revenue. New funds, services rendered, or unbooked and unbooked uh, and booked gains. But whatever it is, the number is a lot and follows an impressive 38.1% return at the company's flagship multi-strategy fund in Washington. I said the average hedge fund last year lost 12.9%. The S&P lost about 18% uh, last year, but Citadel somehow... <laughs> Citadel somehow had a 38.1% return. Now, why does this matter? People don't know, really know who Citadel is. Uh, Citadel is the rumored to be kind of the handmaiden to the Federal Reserve. 
like they get a few nods and winks from the Federal Reserve as to what's coming. As a matter of fact, Ben Bernanke, the former Federal Reserve chairman, is on the board or he's an advisor to Citadel. Would imagine he's getting paid quite well. So the Citadel wired into the Fed probably gets news before, well, before you and me, and maybe even before uh, other hedge funds. But for a company that has $54.5 billion in assets under management, and understand that's not their money, that's the money they're managing for their clients, somehow they generated $28 billion, more than half of that, just in revenue. I'll tell you, I've been in the financial services industry before. Generally, a financial firm might collect 2% for hedge funds. They had large gains, so a lot of hedge funds run on the 2 and 20. They charge you 2% to manage your money, and then they take 20% of uh, whatever the gain is, one-fifth of the gains. So if you were to invest in a hedge fund and you earn, you know, you, your appreciation was 20% in a year, they'd take 4% of that. They'd get 4% of the gain. You'd get the 16% of the game. It's 220. Uh, anyway, I just bring that up to you because uh, Citadel's doing great. <laughs> the people getting laid off. Home sellers are having to give up, the, give up the farm when they sell a house. But as usual, Ken Griffith's Citadel sits at the top of the heap uh, and does it. Uh, knocks the cover off the ball. Um I guess I'm going to mention this real quick now, and then I'm going to take a break. <clears throat> There's one thing I didn't really mention, but kind of in looking at it in hindsight, I guess it was talking about Trump yesterday as Speaker of the House. Uh, I don't know that it's really been covered adequately what a huge loss the Democrats just had. How many years did the Democrats spend telling you they were going to get Trump's tax returns? Five years? Is it six years now since he first announced, and I think it was pretty soon after uh, his announcement, or maybe as a serious contender for the presidency back in 2016, they started talking about wanting to see his tax records because as a candidate, he wouldn't release them. And they spent year after year after year talking about his tax returns. They're going to get the tax returns. Where are the tax returns? Somebody has the tax returns. We leaked a little bit of the tax returns. We're going to get the tax returns. And when I stopped and thought about it, because I realized, holy cow, they just released all the, nothing happened. No one's even talking about it. Obviously, they found nothing. And the first sign that they found absolutely nothing in the Trump tax returns is that they released those things when? I think it was last Friday. They released them on the Friday before the New Year's weekend. Now, if you want to capitalize, if you've got a big bombshell, if you've got something you really want people to lay eyes on, Something that's going to cause a lot of you don't really. This is what they do when there's there's bad economic news. They tell you at Friday at about five thirty after the markets close. They just kind of whisper it. Oh, by the way, some pretty bad things happened in our economy. Maybe you'll forget about it by Monday. You know, if you want to really blockbuster something, you release it on a Monday or a Tuesday when people aren't distracted by family and friends and going about their lives with their recreation time. You you plug it right into the news cycle midweek. They released his tax returns on the Friday before a New Year's holiday. That is a sure sign that they found absolutely nothing uh, in his tax returns, except for, a lot of people have rightfully pointed out, Trump didn't pay as many taxes as you and I would pay on a percentage basis because these Congress critters, the same ones that were demanding to see his tax returns, all the loopholes they put in for their crony buddies, Trump just took advantage of them, as he should. 
Every dollar in taxes taken by the government is a dollar stolen and a dollar wasted. So if there's one thing I admire about Donald Trump, it might be his ability to pay as little as little in taxes as possible. I believe we should all enjoy the oligarch rate of 0% taxes in many, many years. Actually, I believe every year. Anyway, I just thought it was kind of funny. I always pay attention to those things. Six years they went after his taxes. They released them on New Year's Eve Eve because they knew there was absolutely nothing in there to drive a news cycle. Pretty big loss for the Dems, i got to say. I enjoyed seeing that. Be right back. Well, it would have been, could have been worse than you would ever know. All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. If you want to call in today, I've I've got a couple of weird topics to get into that I thought were interesting. It's Friday. I had more kind of topical, uh, serious stuff. I don't want to get to it today. If If you think that Kevin McCarthy, they should just yield and go ahead and give that man. He's earned it. He's been in leadership for 14 years. How's the last 14 years of the Republican Party worked out for you? You feeling pretty good about things? You really feel like Kevin McCarthy is the guy to lead us through the next uh, next chapter of America? If you believe that, you can call in 601-879-0002. Um, <clears throat> uh, I guess I'm a bad American. I, I didn't even take time out at the beginning of this show for a moment of silence or something to recognize this anniversary of the January 6th insurrection. You know, they, they're just... There's just January. They're just not. They're not getting any traction on this thing, are they? Nine eleven. That that was a good date for them to pick because it, you know, it's kind of like calling the emergency number, right? Oh, I remember nine eleven. Nine eleven. It just kind of flows. Of course, America. I think I've told this story before, but you know, you know, America started out. We uh, we told people that if you have an emergency, dial nine eleven. That was the original, you know, now they say dial 911. But originally when it first came out, it was uh, dial 911. Uh, they had to change that because there were people who were, didn't get emergency response because they couldn't find the 11 button on their phone. <laughs> I believe that's true. I, I choose to believe it's true. It's, it seems about right, doesn't it? <laughs> but but 911 had a nice ring to it. Uh, the British government pulled off a false flag on their citizens on 7-7. Now, see, that's catchy. I think that was the subway attacks that just happened to coincide with an exercise they were running that day. And all of the real bombs that went off in the subway system in England just happened to be at the exact areas where they were training that day, that day and doing a live drill. I remember hearing one of the police sergeants go, it's the weirdest thing. We were doing an exercise about subway bombings today at those exact stations and that's where the terrorists struck. <laughs> the chances of that being uh, a coincidence? About a trillion to one, I would say. But anyway, they've got the catchy 7-7, my father. My father could never remember my birthday. I don't know if I should be scarred by that. I may have some deep-seated, maybe this is part of why I rebel against authority. It's just an anger of my father for not remembering my birthday. I remember we would go somewhere to register for something. And this is when I was young, and he might be filling out the paperwork. He's signing me up for soccer or at a doctor's office, and he's doing the paperwork. And, you know, he'd get to the birthday thing, and he'd try to hand the clipboard to me, and I'd just go, no, that's all right. You go ahead and do it. And his pen would just kind of hover over that 
<laughs> that date of birth category. It's just like, uh, it's just, well, <laughs> I say, no, you go ahead and you tell me when my, when my birthday is. So he got married after my mom passed away. He got remarried at one point. He got remarried on Valentine's Day. Now, I would imagine to my stepmother, to his wife, that was a very romantic gesture, of course, a day full of love and everything else. But I knew, I knew he did it on Valentine's Day just because that's the only way he was going to remember the actual date of his anniversary. I, <laughs> uh, But they just can't catch any traction on this 1-6-21. It just doesn't flow. January 6th itself, it's just, eh. And can you be any more melodramatic? I mean, they are just trying. They are trying to market the crap out of this idea that this was this giant threat to our uh, to our republic. A republic that they constantly ignore, a constitution they constantly ignore. Uh, but they are really trying to get some, make some hay on, on the January 6th stuff. Trust me, if the right wanted an insurrection, they wouldn't go unarmed. I don't know if anybody's noticed, but a lot of people, a lot of Republicans, a lot of Trump supporters, uh, they own plenty of weapons that they could have uh, had a much more effective uh, storm on the Capitol had they wanted that, had that been their uh, stated desire. But they just can't get any can't get any traction on this January 6th thing as much as they try. So no moment of silence here on the Mike Madison Show for uh, what took place that day. The only... The only sad thing, the only sad thing about January 6th is the victims who have been ground under the heel of the FBI who bragged about this being the largest investigation. So we got 9-11 where supposedly, supposedly, uh, 19 cave dwellers swung by the Home Depot and grabbed a box cutter each and took down our airlines and thwarted the greatest national defense apparatus that the world has ever seen. That's the official story, you understand. But supposedly, uh, the January 6th is something close to that. Um, I want to get into this this story. It was just interesting. As I said, the masks are back out uh, in Jackson with covid the propaganda obviously has taken hold. Uh, they may not be able to get this January 6th off the ground, but boy, they have got people. Uh, they have got people, I guess, that just keep masks at the ready. What do the headlines say? COVID in China? Putting the mask on. Before I go to the grocery store, I mean, masks were everywhere yesterday. Again, if you're new to this show, the masks don't work. I'll play a clip from your own COVID chief in the Biden administration saying there's not a single study out there that shows that masks work. Not a single one. This is from the COVID coordinator of the Biden administration. Yet the memo has not reached Jackson, Mississippi, Kroger off I-55, apparently, because everybody's masked up. I even saw some neck gaiters. And most of these are the little blue surgical masks. It's just unbelievable. But uh, the propaganda was strong. Many people have been psychically harmed by these people, and this was very interesting. I want you to listen to the story. <clears throat> Last month, Dr. Robert Honeyman uh, lost their sister to COVID. They wrote about it on Twitter and received dozens of condolences, over 4,000 retweets and 43,000 likes. Exactly one month later, on December 12th, Honeyman wrote that another tragedy had befallen their family. 
Quote, sad to announce that my husband, this is a guy appealing, you know, traveling in the LGBTQ circles, uh, quote, sad to announce that my husband had entered a, a he- husband has entered a coma after being in a hospital with COVID. The doctor is unsure if he will come out, they tweeted. Quote, this year has been the toughest of my life, losing my sister to this virus. This is the first time in my life I don't see light at the end of the tunnel. Now, you think I'm being insensitive. Hang on. I'll explain why that's not insensitive. Again, the condolences and well wishes rolled in, but there was a problem. Honeyman wasn't real. The transgender, quote, doctor of sociology and feminist studies with a keen interest in poetry who uh, who used they them pronouns was, in fact, a stock photo described on Deposit Photos, a royalty free image site as smiling, happy, handsome Latino man. Their supposed comatose husband, Dr. Patrick C. Honeyman, was also fake. His Twitter photo had been stolen from an insurance professional in Wayne, Indiana. The two fake doctors whose accounts triggered extra, uh, urged, excuse me, urged extreme caution about COVID-19 were part of a network of at least four fake accounts that touted their ties to the LGBTQ community vocally advocated for mask wearing and social distancing and dished out criticism to those they felt were not taking the pandemic seriously. The Honeymans could not be reached for comment as they did not exist. Do you see the mass psychological operation that has been run on people? 44,000 people supported this guy as he talked about his husband being in a coma after contracting COVID on December 12th of 2022 to perpetuate the fear that this is still a wildly deadly disease. These were middle-aged men, not elderly senior citizens. Their pictures, which turns out to be stock photos from just some uh, random source, appear to be fairly young and healthy, further heightening the fear to those 44,000 people who read that and felt the need to like it. I guess that means that well over 100,000 people probably saw this story. And they thought to themselves, oh my gosh, I didn't think this X... That's, that's the new one. Have you heard this new uh, variant? It's the XBB1.5.1 what happened to the Greek alphabet? Why did we just abandon that and start going down the, the uh, we had the BAA, the the sheep variants. Now we got the X uh, variants. I don't know why they abandoned the Greek alphabet. That was a lot more catchy. Omicron. I called it the Omnicon. The Omicron variant, the Delta variant, the Alpha variant. This, I, this, I think this was scarier. You get to an Omega. That, that, I think that would scare some people. Some reason they've diverted off into these letters, and now they've got dashes in there. I think pretty soon we're going to have like a Niner. <laughs> anyway, this this is what has happened. It is just beyond my comprehension of the people who want to inflict fear on the average citizen, and it's working. Go to the Kroger on I-55. You will see the fear in action. They've been lying to you all along. They are continuing to lie and fearmonger to the people, and it's working. And I know my show doesn't reach those people who are in the Kroger yesterday at 
2 o'clock in the afternoon, masked up with their ridiculous cloth masks and little blue masks, half of them pulled down beneath their nose. They're not listening to me. I don't know how to help these people because I feel bad for them. I feel sorry. The, my, first, my first look at those things is I just think, wow, I can't imagine leaving my house in that level of fear every single day. And look, I live in Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> And I still refuse to live in fear. But these accounts, these Twitter accounts, how many fake accounts are out there? And of course, these guys had to be doctors to give them that air of credibility. Was a doctor in a coma? He probably followed all the protocols. And he still, still is in a coma. No, none of them even existed. There's no telling how much of this completely made up, out of whole cloth information and testimonials are out there. I had a caller to this show early in COVID as I was poo-pooing its lethality to healthy people, middle-aged, healthy people, called up and said he had four or five people in his family die from COVID. Well, I got to tell you, you did not have a healthy family. If that's the case, I doubt seriously that was ever the case anyway. These fake stories, it's very interesting. We hear about fake victims of COVID but we don't hear about the real victims of the shots. Pretty strange world we live in. It's been a ride. I guess I had to go to that place to get to this one. Now, some of you might still be in that place if you're trying to get out. Just follow me. I think we all suffer from some level of information overload. <clears throat> I don't think, uh, I think the the way that uh, information has come to us, where it went from newspapers, then it went to television, and you got a little bit of news, a couple of uh, hours a day, maybe a couple of, you know, a morning news and evening news. Uh, the newspaper would come out the next day. Sometimes they had evening editions, but you know, it was, it was, just came out in little spurts. And then all of a sudden CNN launches and you get 24-hour news and there's 18 different news channels and it's coming at you like a fire hose. Then you throw in social media and the Internet. And I don't think we're capable of handling all these things. I really don't. Uh, you have to purposefully detach from it. I'm as guilty as anybody. I've got to come up with stuff for this show. And as stories develop, I want to find out what's going on. But one of the interesting things about social media is that with particularly with Twitter – and I'm sure Facebook is the same, too. I'm just not on Facebook, so I don't know. Uh, everybody's can get their word out, like, immediately. I mean, it takes a little while to set up a CNN set and bring an expert in, you know, get them to drive across town and be in the Beltway and break some news. With Twitter, you got your phone, you blast out to millions of people. And so this is happening on Twitter now when it comes to the speaker thing. There's some Jake Sherman. I think I'm supposed to know who he is. Is he a journalist? I don't know. Is he on the right or the left? I don't know. I've seen his name before. 925, he tweets out, all breaking news, three flashing red uh, sirens, news, all caps. Kevin McCarthy announces on GOP call that he and Chip Roy have a deal. 946, no, excuse me, 942, 17 minutes later, Olivia Beavers tweets out, McCarthy just gets on the call telling reporters to get off the call, telling them that they, they do not have a deal. So apparently uh, the wrangling goes on. Kevin McCarthy has now lost 11 votes, apparently. What's inside a human being that builds them up to a level of self-importance that says, I must have this job? 
they're talking about this is the first time it's gone this way since the Civil War, and I'm not, I don't understand the historical context of this stuff. I understand it hasn't happened many times, but I don't know the circumstances of the times it happened before. But I, I know what I'm watching right now. I'm watching an entitled, privileged cronyist believe that it's his turn the same way Hillary Clinton did, where she just couldn't understand losing an election, even though she's wildly unlikable, because it was her turn. You're looking at a Kevin McCarthy who thinks because he has slimed his way through Washington, D.C. in leadership for 14 years, that he has slimed his way to this moment, and he will not be denied. You know, I've been around people that probably didn't want to be around me. You get that sense. I'm not real popular with this group. I just extricate myself i don't force myself on them it's if there's a group of 10 people well, there's a lot of listeners out there <laughs> that, that don't particularly care for the mike madison show i'm not going to force them to listen i'm not going to their house and turning on their radio and telling them to listen this guy has been rebuffed and his refusal to acknowledge that just shows the megalomaniac that he is We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB here in the Mac Hike Flowwood Studios, and it's Friday. We're going to take a look at foreign policy stuff. I'm about to give you guys, <clears throat> those of you out there, you got the uh, yellow and blue flag on your Twitter feed. Uh, maybe you've got, like Kevin McCarthy, the blue and yellow uh, lapel pins or pocket squares. As we just announced, a new massive package of arms and money to Ukraine. Seems like we're doing that just about every week. I'm going to give you a warm, fuzzy feeling, and as I say, it's Friday, so take out your paychecks, take a look at your federal withholding, and don't grumble about it. Be proud. Be proud of the money that you're sending to this kind, sweet, genteel, underdog Ukrainian government. I'm going to give you a couple of reports from them. Uh, One almost funny thing. Spike Cohen, who was the vice presidential campaign, uh, uh, vice presidential nominee for the uh, Libertarian Party in 2020, the president was uh, Joe Jorgensen. Big swing and a miss there, Libertarian Party. That was before they were taken over by the Mises Caucus. But Spike Cohen is a a pretty sharp guy. He pointed this out. Have you seen the new Washington Commanders football team? This is, they were the, I think they were the Washington Football Club or football team. Uh, They have finally gotten themselves a new name this season. It is the Washington Commanders. Have you seen the mascot? The mascot for the Washington Commanders is a pig in a military helmet. It is actually a war pig. The Washington Commanders, the Washington, D.C. football team's mascot is a war pig. And it makes me really kind of ashamed I would have been better prepared for this. I have threatened to use this as the theme music to this segment every single week, which is Black Sabbath's War Pig. I wonder if this is what the mascot comes out to when he runs onto the field. Generals gathered in their masses Just like witches at Black Masses Evil minds that plot destruction 
Yeah, I think uh, if not, I'll suggest that as the theme music for the new war pig that the Washington, D.C. commanders have. Holy cow. This this goes in that category of you can't make this stuff up. I don't say that often in the bizarre world we live in, but uh, that is about as appropriate as it gets. Uh, Lindsey Graham still making the rounds. Last week we played a clip of him calling for the assassination of another foreign leader, Vladimir Putin. Uh, nothing makes a, another leader realize they've got nothing to lose the most heavily armed nuclear force on planet Earth, Russia. And we've got our sitting senator, a war pig himself, a very effeminate war pig. So there may be some other term I could use for him, but he's a war piglet. Uh, He was calling for the assassination of Vladimir Putin. Uh, This week, he gave us some more news. I like the structural path we're on here. As long as we help Ukraine with the weapons they need and the economic support, they will fight to the last person. Oh, isn't that great? Lindsey Graham offering up every single Ukraine to this war that he helped provoke. Um, if you want to know something about the Ukrainian government, I'm really speaking probably, I, I guess, maybe to the Fox News viewer who's bought into this. I know they're still hawking the anti-Russia stuff on Fox. It's it, Fox is a very important part of the propaganda machine. I would say Fox News alone has con- convinced conservatives to give these hundreds of billions of dollars to Raytheon and Lockheed Martin because there's all, all of these Republicans that have led the charge on this. Now the Democrats have taken up the mantle, but all of these Republicans elected because they actually went out their constituents and said, I'm going to get Raytheon more money. Well, they didn't say Raytheon. They said our troops. <laughs> They said our troops, and people went, duh, okay. Um, but for those of you out there maybe who are still enthusiastic about this Ukraine aid, you're a big Roger Wicker supporter, and you're right there with him. We said we can't get them enough money, and we can't get it quick enough. I thought I'd do a little report on what's going on on the ground inside Ukraine, and I'm not even talking about the war. I'll have to narrate these things. I saw a tweet out from somebody. They are... Uh, they're they're a foreign. They just go by the name of Cooper, and uh, so they don't. English is not their first language. I'll clean this up a little bit, but here's what the Twitter message said: It said during Hitler's Nazi era, the soldiers, as a way of punishment, would bring any suspect to the streets and would start to humiliate him in public places. Today, we are witnessing same kind of mechanisms from Kiev authorities, just like father and son thing. And I'll play the. I'll see if there's even any audio to this, but I'm going to narrate this to you. This is. Uh, this is a picture of a Ukrainian. He's, he's in the camo with his, you know, he's got his, his bags and his flight jacket and all that stuff on in Ukraine. And he is, um, he's tying somebody, he's using duct tape to duct tape somebody to a, uh, to a street post, like a street sign. Okay, so they've got his entire upper body. It looks like he used saran wrap. Uh, they just shoved a ball into his mouth like a ball gag into his mouth, and then another Ukrainian soldier. They're carrying what appeared to be something like an AK-47. Um, uh, they just uh, pulled his pants down and left him tied to this street post. Uh, there's another one of these things, too. Someone else, they are they appear to be uh, duct taped to another street sign. Oh, they let him keep his pants on. That's nice of them. So there's your Ukrainian authorities. Here's another one. Here's another one of that kind, genteel, loving Ukrainian government, this struggling democracy that we must fund at all costs. Uh, I'll play this in the background. Of course, we won't understand it. Um, This is a Ukrainian ticket collector. 
Uh, and he caught a woman speaking Russian. So he comes out after her here, and they get into a big argument. He starts insulting her, according to the writer of this tweet. Then he gets up into her face, and then he hits he hits the woman uh, for speaking Russian. There's your Ukrainian government that we're tripping over ourselves to send money to. Uh, this is also the same regime that has shut down opposition parties, uh, actually jailed the party that finished in second when Zelensky was arrested, I mean, was elected, excuse me, Freudian slip. Uh, they disbanded the second most popular party in Ukraine and jailed some of its leaders. Feels a little dictatorish to me. Uh, shut down media outlets has banned the Russian Orthodox Church. People cannot worship the way they want to in Ukraine. They've banned uh, speaking Russian in Ukraine. There you go. This is your kind, loving Ukrainian government that we are tripping over ourselves to send money from American uh, paychecks uh, into this country. There was also, I don't know... Don't know if I've really covered this as much as I should. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm angry about all of this stuff, but the the narrative in the United States that this is all Russian provocation, that we tried to avoid this, any of these ridiculous things. Um, Angela Merkel, she was the, uh, what are they called over there? Is it the president of Germany? Uh, Angela Merkel has come out, and I'm looking through this party. Boy, it's got a lot of words. I don't want to spend the time reading all of them. Uh, when the uh, when the U.S. and Western powers and NATO overthrew the government in Ukraine originally in 2014, uh, the government that they installed was hostile to the ethnic Russians in uh, eastern Ukraine. And so they started killing them. Again, this is the same government that we are sending money to, they started killing their own citizens because they were of Russian ethnicity. If this had been in Rwanda, we'd call it a genocide. But because we were on the side of this government, we ignored it. Uh, So they were bombing and killing uh, ethnic Russians in eastern Ukraine. The Ukrainian government was killing these people. And so they went uh, and they they got a, a peace agreement to get them to stop killing these innocent people in eastern Ukraine. Again, this was the Ukrainian government that exists today. The one we're supporting was killing its own citizens there. And so they, they came up with a peace agreement called the Minsk Agreement. Angela Merkel came out a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know that I mentioned this, and said, uh, yeah, we were never actually serious about that peace deal. We only did it to buy more time to get Ukraine more weapons. They're saying these things out loud so that Vladimir Putin can say it, can hear it. Now, I would imagine Putin already knew this because they violated this agreement over and over. They kept killing ethnic Russians uh, in eastern Ukraine. They never really stopped, even though they signed a peace deal saying, all right, we're going to quit killing our own citizens. You caught us. But they never actually really stopped. And Angela Merkel, and I believe somebody else, too, and it was in this story. I apologize for not being able to get to it. Another world leader said, yeah, yeah, that Minsk agreement we signed with the Russians. We never meant that. We were never going to live up to it. We were just trying to buy more time. And what they bought time was uh, for was for Donald Trump and Joe Biden both to send more weapons into Ukraine. Donald Trump famously on his perfect call with Zelensky, he held up these weapons deliveries and money for about an hour. He said, hey, I've got all this money and weapons we want to send you, but I'd really like you to investigate the corruption of the Biden family. 
And basically, I guess Zelensky said no, and Trump goes, okay, well, here, you can still have the weapons. They made a big deal about this, impeached, you know, the whole deal that they made about it. It was actually about a one-hour, 12-hour delay or something like that. But Trump was providing these weapons to the Ukrainians so they could continue to kill uh, Eastern, Eastern Ukrainians of Russian descent. I'm sorry. It's just that's the way it happened. But I, I, it's just another one of these things to show you the disingenuous West— even when they sign a peace deal, they'll come back after it and say, we never meant that. We were never going to abide by that. We just did it to get Russia to get Russia comfortable that we weren't going to keep killing these people so that we could bide more time to build up more weapons in Ukraine. That is uh, the world we're living in. That is Western, air quotes here in the studio, diplomacy. I'll be right back. Roger Wicker is continuing to lead us down the path to World War III. He's pretty darn excited about it, seems like. He uh, wants a no-fly zone. He wants more money for Ukraine. Uh, I, I thought I'd just kind of get – I'll give you something that Roger Wicker probably won't. It was announced that uh, Russia has sent a couple of warships, I think one into the Black Sea and one into the Atlantic that carry hypersonic uh, missiles. Uh, I believe they're nuclear-capable hypersonic missiles. I don't know if you've been keeping up with the – the hypersonic missile race that's been going on for the past several years. But uh, I've, I've seen some Russian videos. Uh, they, they appear to have them. So what Roger Wicker might leave out of the equation as he tries to get you to continue to fund Ukraine, according to Lindsey Graham, down to the last Ukrainian, uh, he, he may leave out the part that um, we, we could possibly regret this at some point. I, I found ran across a clip about these hypersonic missiles. We, we all know the old Cold War stuff, right? We all saw war games back in the day. If you haven't, it's still a good movie. You could see it. Or we saw The Day After Tomorrow. That was a, that was a sobering movie at the time. Um, but the missile technology's come a long way since the Cold War, where we might have had, I can't remember what it was, 29 minutes to react or something if Moscow launched a nuclear weapon at us and we could train our uh, anti our defense forces on these things and shoot them out of the sky. There's a lot of work done during the Cold War to make sure that we could shoot down nuclear missiles from the Soviet Union. Um, may not be so lucky this time. Here's a question for you. What weapons can fly at more than five times the speed of sound and are virtually undetectable? Welcome to the world of hypersonic missiles. There's two types of hypersonic weapons being developed, a cruise missile that uses a super-fast scramjet to fly at hypersonic speed, and a boost glide vehicle, a warhead that's launched aboard a rocket, then released, falling to Earth at more than Mach 5, around a mile a second. A Tomahawk cruise missile flies at a speed of Mach 0.8, so close to the speed of sound. Now, by comparison, the Russian Zircon, uh, the hypersonic cruise missile, flies uh, at anywhere between Mark 8 and 10. So we're talking about a, at a nearly tenfold increase in the speed of the missile. Uh, for boost glide vehicles, the Chinese DF-17 is alleged to have speeds of Mark 10 plus. Traditional ballistic missiles follow a parabolic trajectory, a predictable arc that goes up and down like a ball. It means they can be detected early in flight. Hypersonic glide vehicles work differently. They exploit physics using drag and friction so they can fly in all directions like an aircraft 
but at super fast speeds, making them very difficult to detect until it's too late. They fly below the uh, radar horizons, meaning that the warning times they provide are quite short. And because they are maneuverable, actually figuring out where they're headed, what their target is, is an exceedingly difficult computing task. Most missiles rely mainly on their warhead for their destructive power, but hypersonic weapons also have huge kinetic energy. They can hit a target at more than a thousand miles an hour, literally packing a punch equivalent to over three tons of TNT. The combination of accuracy and really high kinetic energy makes it possible to break through targets with a hypersonic missile that previously you would have needed a nuclear level payload or at least something approaching it to really sort of threaten credibly. So <clears throat> there you go. Uh, these warships are like, from Moscow. We're, we're talking about minutes. Minutes. And you've got Lindsey Graham, the psychopath of South Carolina, threatening the life of Vladimir Putin. You, you take a world leader with a bunch of nukes, you say, well, he'd never use them. He needs to live in this world, too. Well, Lindsey Graham's telling him he doesn't have to live in this world. We're going to take care of that. This, this is so incredibly reckless. And just like everything else, uh, Americans won't care until you really care. And when you really care is when they've used these things. This is such an incredibly, incredibly dangerous time. Not really talked about, not really paid attention to. It's just the war pigs, the Washington, D.C. war pigs, as they have now memorialized themselves with the mascot of the Washington commanders, um, just continue to march us towards this needless, pointless, for all of us, I'm sure they're making a boatload of money off of it. I thought this was just a little interesting, too, just the hypocrisy of it all. No, I don't have it. No, I can't believe I did that. Let me see. Uh, Yep, I don't have it. There's a there was a story, a Pentagon report out that they were they were filing a complaint with the United Nations because a uh, Chinese jet harassed our spy plane. Well, they call it a surveillance plane. <laughs> it, was a, it was our surveillance plane. It was in international airspace, but it was in the South China Sea, and we filed a complaint with the UN because they were uh, harassing us. <laughs> They were they were harassing our spy plane. Uh, and I'll finish with this. False flag alert. False flag ahead. At the very end of this clip, you'll hear something. Uh, now, I thought, am I misremembering? I thought Donald Trump had beat ISIS, had taken them out. They were gone. Of course, the beauty for the war pigs, the war on terror, is that the harder you fight against these people in the Middle East, the more terrorists you create. Right? Because every time you take out a supposed terrorist and then 10 innocent people who are around them, you've actually created new people who now hate the United States because you've killed their loved one. You can imagine if China launched bomb attacks on the United States. Right now, I don't want to go to China and hurt anybody. I hate their government. It's a communist dictatorship. But I'm not going to lash out at them. But if they were to kill my children or kill my friends or destroy my home or destroy my workplace, uh, I'd have a beef with the Chinese. Maybe then I would be motivated to lash out against the Chinese. Maybe I'd volunteer to fight against the Chinese. That's the same thing that happens in the war on terror. So when you air quotes here in the studio, take out ISIS, you've actually just created a whole realm of new terrorists seeking to avenge the death of the people that you declared terrorists in the first place. 
That is the great benefit to the war pigs of the war on terror, and boy did it sucker Americans in. But it's not over, apparently. This is Mike Morrell, the incredibly skeevy Mike Morrell. He's a former interim chief of the CIA. I'm sure he's some commentator now, and he probably has slithered his way into the Biden administration. I don't know what his position is right now, but he's interviewed on the mainstream media, and that's right. They're back. Mike, um, after the fall of Kabul, you were on this program, and you correctly forecast that the Taliban knew where al-Qaeda's leader was inside Afghanistan. Um, So I'm wondering what your thought is about where the emerging terror threat is now. So one of the major affiliates of al-Qaeda, it's called al-Qaeda in the Indian subcontinent, the leader of that group, the deputy of that group, and the top recruiter of that group are today in Afghanistan. So al-Qaeda is is a problem that needs to be watched in Afghanistan. The bigger problem in Afghanistan at the moment is ISIS. And ISIS, you know, almost weekly attacks inside Afghanistan. It, it almost feels like we wasted 20 years there, doesn't it? Almost feels like we wasted trillions of dollars and thousands of our troops' lives and the lives of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of innocent Afghanis who were killed in this war. It really seemed to not have made much difference, huh? The biggest worry is that they are increasingly recruiting from neighboring countries and those individuals, particularly Tajikistan, those individuals are coming in where they're getting training from ISIS. And the concern is that they might leave Afghanistan, go back to their home countries and conduct attacks against Western interests. There it is. Think embassies. Mm-hmm. Um, the bigger the bigger terrorism problem is actually in Africa, all the way from Somalia, all the way to, to, to West Africa, where you've got both Al Qaeda affiliates and you've got ISIS affiliates. They have control huge swaths of territory. Um, they've conducted primarily local attacks so far. But at some here we go. This is it. False flag alert point. Western embassies, Western military bases in both Africa and possibly in Europe could become targets. And if we're going to make a prediction for 2023, I'd say we're going to see a terrorist attack against a Western interest somewhere in the world. There you go. They always say it out loud before they carry it out. So this is what we're so I guess what the war pigs want in Washington, D.C. is not much, not much. They just want war with Russia, with China, and then we're going to throw in kind of a topper, a little chariot. We're going to go back to war uh, in the Middle East with ISIS and al-Qaeda on the African continent. That's all they want. Yeah, these people are perfectly sane. I'll be right back. What's a frequency can at the show? All right, we are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB, and we finish every week the way we have for the past several years as we chronicle the world's descent into madness with This Week on the Crazy Train. (laughs) Now, if you've ever considered, now I shouldn't even say this, but uh, there's a reason to never be a white supremacist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess there are, there are all kinds of dumb white people out there. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I thought this one was kind of funny. You want to you want to talk about taking a stupid decision and making it stupider? Uh, well, these guys did it in spades. Two men have been arrested and charged with vandalizing electrical substations in Washington State, attacks that left thousands without power over the holidays. 
Matthew Greenwood and Jeremy Crayon were arrested on Saturday. A newly unsealed complaint charges both with conspiracy to damage energy facilities and it charged Greenwood with possession of a short-barreled rifle and a short-barreled shotgun. Now, why did they do this? They must have done it because they were white supremacists. They were Trump supporters. They were insurrectionists, right? According to the complaint, Greenwood told investigators that the two knocked out power so they could burglarize a business and (laughs) steal from the cash register. The business was not identified in the complaint. Cell phone location data and other evidence tied them to the attacks on the four substations in Pierce County. Officials have warned that the U.S. power grid needs better security to prevent domestic terrorism after a large outage in North Carolina last month took days to repair. Conspiracy to attack energy facilities is punishable by up to 20 years in prison. Possession of an unregistered firearm is punishable by up to 10 years. So these guys wanted to steal a cash register. Probably facing about 30 years in jail for taking out a power station. Yeah, geez, Louise. Uh, Of course, when it comes to stupidity, nothing rivals uh, the reaction and constant propaganda around COVID uh, and the shots. This is Dr. Jen Ashton. She was one of the biggest pushers of every shot, every lockdown, every mask mandate, every school closure, every church closure, every single COVID policy that came out. Jen Ashton was telling you how uh, scientifically and medically sound it was. We welcome you back to GMA and want to get right back to more of our top story. Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin suffering cardiac arrest after a hit during Monday Night Football. Dr. Jennifer Ashen is back with more on this. 24 years old. We saw the tackle. What do and don't we know right now? Now, here's why I play this clip. I think I think these people like this Jen Ashton on ABC. She's one of the worst, but they were all the worst. It's kind of hard to. Kind of hard to rank them. Uh, She pushed every single one of these shots, including, I'm sure she probably on the show this morning told you, make sure you get out there and get your boosters. She probably reported on high hospitalization numbers or something ridiculous like that. Um, I think at the end of this clip, she knows people are starting to sniff out these heart problems and these shots. And she almost feels a little nervous about it to me. Well, first of all, let's start with the obvious. He's a 24-year-old, very healthy, elite professional athlete. So that's obviously in his favor. Um, There's a lot we do not know. We don't know what caused his heart to stop on the field. Um, We know his heart did stop because CPR was performed, and that's only done in the setting of a cardiac arrest where there is no pulse or heartbeat. Uh, And there's a lot of speculation on the part of late public and medical professionals alike what could have caused it could have been a hit to the chest could it have been a vascular or blood vessel injury um, could it have been a neurologic injury that caused that we don't know and i think we have to remember unless you are his medical team um not to speculate yeah you hear quit sniffing around this one nothing to see here she listed all the possible causes that could have caused some uh, some damage uh, she left out the shot that has admittedly caused heart damage in a lot of young males. She leaves that out. But I, I don't, you need you lay people out there, and some doctors, uh, you need to quit speculating. That's what she says. Uh, I don't know. That speculation seems uh, appropriate at this point to me.
Jake Hascock passed away suddenly today. The former tight end was just 25 years old. Fox 35 sports reporter Jessica Ailey is live in studio with more on this sudden tragedy. Jessica. Yeah, the UCF community is mourning the loss of former football player Jake Hescott. Uh, the former tight end went to cardiac arrest on Tuesday while out on a jog up in Boston. Now, according to his family, Hescock suffered a severe brain injury during the medical incident and was put on life support before succumbing to the cardiac arrest. The Massachusetts native played at UCF from 2017 through the 2021 season. Before UCF, he was at Wisconsin. Hescock was only 25 years old. There you go, 25 years old. And this one. Tonight we are learning a former Jacksonville Jaguars player has died. He was selected as a fifth-round pick by the Jaguars in the 2007 NFL Draft. His name is Uche Wineri. Our media partners at the Times Union are reporting he was found unresponsive in his wife's home in Indiana Friday night. Preliminary reports say he suffered a heart attack and there are no signs of foul play. The Jaguars posting a picture of him tonight on Twitter. They are saying they are saddened to learn about his passing. Uh, yeah, I think there are huge signs of foul play. Foul play on a size and scope that most people refuse to even consider because it is so absolutely horrific. Um, <clears throat> bad COVID policy will never die unless we kill it. I've also heard from some parents considering sending their kids back to school wearing masks. And we know that some school districts are implementing mask mandates for the first uh, couple weeks after the new year. Do you think that will help? You know, in a specific setting, masks absolutely can curb the spread of respiratory viruses. Okay, uh, as a broadcast professional, don't try this at home, but I'm going to have to intersperse. I don't usually have to do this. I'm going to have to intersperse another clip inside that clip. There's no study in the world that shows that masks work that well. So you're never going to get the kind of benefit from mandatory year-round masking as you would from making substantial improvements in indoor air quality. But it's a lot easier to implement as well. So, so let's let's do that again. I know this is a very complex show. It's very very sophisticated what I'm doing here, but uh, well, let's 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 uh, let's put these pieces together again. This is the news talking to you about new mask mandates for our children. I've also heard from some parents considering sending their kids back to school wearing masks, and we know that some school districts are implementing mask mandates for the first uh, couple weeks after the new year. Do you think that will help? You know, in a specific setting, masks absolutely can curb the spread of respiratory viruses. Okay, and this is the COVID czar in the Biden administration, the Dr. Ja, Dr. Ashish Ja, I believe. There's no study in the world that shows that masks work that well. So you're never going to get the kind of benefit from mandatory year-round masking as you would from making substantial improvements in indoor air quality. But it's a lot easier to implement as well. Very interesting. You're not going to hear those clips put together. The mainstream media certainly would not ever rebuff anybody who came on and said that the masks work. To you people in Kroger off I-55, for the love of God, stop wearing uh, those masks. Uh, in the category of kids smarter than parents. Dr. Emanuel, thank you for joining us. You know, I listen to that doctor and you hear how tough it is inside hospitals at the moment and the, and the fears of new variants mixed with flu that is coming on. And you would think that the country would respond by saying, OK, we will make sure we are all up to date on all of our vaccines. But I had a strange conversation with my 22 year old, my 16 year old. Last I love this. This is a, she's an MSNBC talking head. She's going to tell you about a conversation that she, she, the mom. 
had with her 22 and 16-year-old daughters. Okay, we will make sure we are all up to date on all of our vaccines. But I had a strange conversation with my 22-year-old, my 16-year-old last night, and I said, okay, I booked you in for COVID updates. You're both back for the holidays. You're going to get your boosters. And both of them said, no, we don't want to. We've had enough vaccines, and we don't think we need them. How can you? I, I was sort of. Sh- oh, you got to love that. You got to love that. These kids are smart enough to understand. None of their friends have ever died of COVID. They know nothing about a death. They know they're at absolutely zero risk of bad COVID outcomes. Mom, quit taking us and poking us at the doctor's office. Shocked and appalled. But is this the kind of response you're seeing from young people at the moment, that they just they think this is over and they don't need any more vaccines? Yes, uh, but I do would say that, you know, we keep thinking vaccines are going to prevent getting COVID. They don't prevent getting right. COVID. What they prevent is serious illness, hospitalization and death. On that, that's absolutely not true. Just another lie from the mainstream media. I'll be right back. Citizens from all over the world. This is Captain America calling. I bailed you up when you were down on your knees So will it catch me now? I'm falling All right, here we are on the eve of another weekend. Don't you wish at some point this weekend it would include a great big fat ribeye, chuckeye steak, some fantastic hamburgers, uh, you can get all of those things in the healthiest form possible there at stoningtonfarm.com. Stonington Farm is a locally owned farm down in South Mississippi. Dr. Mike Stonington and his wife Katie run this organization. It is grass-fed beef, grass-finished beef, great nutritional profile, no hormones, no antibiotics, Mississippi born, raised, and processed, and then delivered up to the Jackson area now. I think their next delivery is uh, in a couple of weeks, so check out the website, which is Stonington Farm. That's S-T-O-N-N-I-N-G-T-O-N Farm. Dot com. You'll see everything they offer. They're great prices, as cheap, if not cheaper. I know they're running a sale again on hamburgers, I believe. Uh, cheaper than the uh, the grocery store for the big cattle operations that meat's not as healthy for you. So this is a win-win, and you support a local farmer. Uh, absolutely love these people, and I am getting back on carnivore. I'm thrilled to death that they're going to be feeding me about 75% of my diet. So that, again, is stoningtonfarm.com. Check out their website. There'll be a phone number for you to call. Probably going to talk to Katie Stonington. Tell her what you're looking for. Uh, she'll give you the best deals, to figure out the best way to uh, get you fed, maybe even share a recipe with you, and then she'll set up delivery as well. So stoningtonfarm.com. Please support these people and let them know you heard about it here on WIEP. All right, let's see what else we got going on. Well, this one was, uh, this is kind of a no-brainer, but uh, I guess I should do it too because we all scratched our head and we heard uh, heard this one. Uh, this was... Um, Joe Biden, and it was just another bizarre, uh, bizarre statement. I know a lot of older people. He he traveled in different circles. Let's see if we uh, traveled over 140 countries around the world. As I was, I'll paraphrase the phrase in my old neighborhood. The rest of the countries, the world's not a patch on our genes. If we do what we want to do, we need to do. I, I'm not sure even what that means. I think it's condescending and uh, very superiorist. Um, It comes back to COVID. Well, I I guess I'm going to go ahead. Well, I got some social justice warrior stuff. Well, let's listen to what's going on in Norway. I saw a headline the other day that 80% of car sales, I believe last year, were electric vehicles. Norway is going all in. 
Norway is now aiming to end the sale of petrol cars by 2025. I mean, Keith, I know, you know, we've talked about, I think, the ACT wants to get rid of them by 2035, and there's a few other European nations going down a similar road. 2025 is two years away. How on earth do they think they're going to do this? Uh, and think of all those people who own cars, who have got loans, who now will have something that's completely valueless. Uh, and, and not only that, I mean, if you want an EV, buy one. If it suits your lifestyle and you can afford it and it works for you, knock yourself out. Uh, but this idea that the government will tell you what sort of car you will drive uh, in Norway or any other country or in Australia, and don't forget in this country that you know, the Labor government is now going to tell you what sort of stove you can have. It's got to be electric. You can't have a gas one for all those people who are out there cooking with gas. Uh, they want you to be employed by the public service. Uh, it's just quite incredible. Uh, this is a country where we are free to make our own choices. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, if you're driving around in the bush uh, where it's you know, regularly affected by natural disasters, floods, heavy rain, storms, fires or whatever else might be going on, the last thing you need is a problem with the battery in your car that won't allow you to take the detour because it just <laughs> doesn't have the capacity. That's why people buy diesels. That's why they buy Land Cruisers. That's why they have bull bars, because they live in reality, not in some little bubble in the middle of northern Sydney. Mm. Boy, they are taking us down this path, aren't they? Uh, let's see. <clears throat> More about that in a second. Well, here's a great article. Now, here's something I can get down. There's a couple of things I can get down with uh, when it comes to uh, uh, resistance here. The New York Times op-ed, uh, they had one that suggests that everyone should, quote, mate with shorter people unquote, in order to save the planet. Arthur, author uh, Mara Altman claims that, quote, when you mate with shorter people, you're potentially saving the planet by shrinking the needs of subsequent generations. Lowering the height minimum for prospective partners on your dating profile is a step towards a greener planet. As somebody who is, uh, I guess you could consider me vertically challenged uh, in certain aspects, I wholly support this message. It's about time we got our day in the sun. I'm going to have to switch sides on this one. Uh, the dating pool might be bigger for me uh, on the left. <clears throat> uh, a couple of... <laughs> no, this is too good to do. Um, a, a couple of things. Uh, I've got a, a, the world's laziest protest in a second, but if you're into laziness, <laughs> check this out. And the technology behind self-driving cars is now being used to power baby strollers. A Canadian startup company is rolling out a stroller that can drive itself using artificial intelligence. It costs $3,300 and has cameras and sensors to detect any objects nearby. It also brakes on its own. The company says it's designed to provide another set of eyes or hands, not to replace a parent or a caregiver. Self-driving technology lately is really on a roll. <laughs> yeah, how long? <laughs> how long before you have parents uh, just sticking their their little ones into a stroller pushing them out the front door and just telling them i'll see you in 30 minutes uh go take a stroll but here is the here is the funny one if you were looking for the laziest protest movement ever the la the laziest protest movement ever <laughs> you know uh, people talk about i've told you that if it comes to a civil war all you got to do when you get to the front lines is mispronoun misgender somebody on the front lines and they'll They'll curl up in a fetal ball, uh, and the victory will be won. But uh, they're not exactly hitting on all cylinders when it comes to the protest movement on the left.
It can be hard to find a moment to just rest. And when you can find the time, you might feel like you should be working on something instead. But rest can be a form of resistance. I don't want to be under the guise of believing that I have to be productive in order to be deemed worthy. I am enough now. Trisha Hersey founded the Nap Ministry back in 2016. She uses performance art, social media, and photography to promote the healing power of rest. She's the author of Rest is Resistance. And for now, actually, there is there is a great benefit to I'm, you know my health show. There's great benefit to good sleep, and I do believe in the power nap. There's I think we should take a rest, but I just did not know all the extra benefits of napping that she will explain to us now. NPR's Life Kit, Shireen Marisol Miraji spoke with Hersey, starting with the four tenets of the NAP ministry. Tenant number one. Rest is a form of resistance because it pushes back and disrupts white supremacy and capitalism. (laughs) They're taking it to the white supremacists by napping. Number two. Our bodies are a site of liberation. And that brings into the semantics the idea that wherever our bodies are, we can find rest. Three. Naps provide a portal to imagine, invent, and heal. And tenant number four. Our dream space has been stolen and we want it back. We will reclaim it via rest. So there you go. I am going to join this protest movement probably on Saturday afternoon around two o'clock. I plan on uh, fighting white supremacy, the patriarchy, and capitalism uh, with a nap. Oh, let's see. Uh, what else do I have? Let's see. Uh, 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 well, we'll get into this one. I'm not going to have enough time to play all of it. Uh, it. It won't be any good without all of it. Well, it's about fat phobia. Uh, girls put out a Twitter feed. It appeared on Clown World where she explains all the misguided reasons you have to not date the mor- morbidly obese. Another one that may change minds everywhere. Uh, That's about all I can get to today. This is a truly insane world, (laughs) but if we don't laugh at it at some point during the week, I'm not, uh, I'm notorious for taking a lot of stuff pretty seriously, but I I like this little segment. Don't know if it lands or not. It's a whole hell of a lot of work, but I do it before every weekend. That's all the time I got today. Have a fantastic weekend. I'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye. No matter how hard you try, you can't stop us now. No matter how hard you try.